Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the show. December 14th, 2020. And just a heads up right off the bat, I wanted to let you know that this is actually our last episode of the year. So crazy. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off over the holidays to rest and regroup and really start thinking about next season uh, and all of the things that we uh, might be able to do together. So it's hard to believe we've been together 43 times this year. Uh, when I first started the podcast, uh, it was just going to be a little side project, you know, something to allow me to get stuff out of my head and into the world. Um, but it has definitely grown over the year. And here we are with 43 episodes in the can, uh, 17 of which made up the Controversy Theory series. That was a lot of fun. And I'm just stoked about uh, all of the conversations that we've been able to have, uh, and I really can't wait to see what's in store next year. So I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show, um, but for now, let's jump into our Minute of Transparency. So this, uh, this week I'm going to call it My Frustration with Trenton, New Jersey. Sounds a little strange, but uh, it'll make sense as we go through. So before I jump in, uh, I have to admit this is definitely a f example of a first world problem and that I'm whining just a little bit. So, you know, feel free to make fun of me. It is what it is. Um, but this is what I was thinking about last week. So I re recently ordered a new camera. Uh, I've had the Canon 7D for as long as I can remember. Uh, and it just seemed like the right time to upgrade. So I saw a good deal on Cyber Monday and I decided to pull the trigger. Now, normally when you purchase something from a large, reputable online distributor, uh, they offer you a few shipping options. And, you know, even if you just go with the standard, um, it's usually anywhere from three to five or five to seven days, right? Or you can pay the crazy cash and, and get it a few days before that. Uh, but for me, that never just you know, seemed worth the price. And so I usually stuck with the standard shipping. And so I did with the, uh, with the new camera. However, uh, it's 2020, right? And COVID-19 has completely changed the way we live, the way we work, uh, what is available and how fast you get things. Now I'm assuming most of you use Amazon, uh, and it's, it's been impacted in a similar way. You just really never know what you're going to get, right? You order things and, and one product literally shows up at your door the next day, but the next product is ordered and you don't see it for three to four weeks. Now that, along with the complete shortage of products um, that you've been searching through on Amazon, I mean, it's crazy to me how many products you look at and it says either out of stock or unlimited quantity or limited quantity or more coming soon, more on the way, some version of that which basically means that they're not able to keep up with the demand. 
I mean, it's definitely a brand new world we're living in. I mean, back in 2019, we had become so used to next day shipping. Literally, hop on Amazon, pick your poison, and boom, on your doorstep in one to two days. And because of that, or because we came became so used to that speed, this just seems archaic, right? Five to ten days to get something? What? So back to the camera story. I did not order the camera from Amazon, but like I said, it was a large, reputable online outlet, so I assumed the shipping would be the standard five to seven days, right? I even got a text shortly after purchasing the product that said, signature required by someone at your address for your package delivery on 12-7. Now I purchased the camera on November 30th, so November 7, or rather December 7th, uh, would be a full week, and I was okay with that. However, on December 7th, I waited, and I waited, and the camera never came. Now, typically, I'm not waiting for packages, but in this case, I was actually waiting for two reasons. First, because it required a signature, and the last thing you want to do is miss out on a drop-off, right? And then have to figure out where on earth do they go to, uh, and then what do I have to do to go pick it up? And second, because of porch pirates. I mean, this is a pretty new thing, but it's becoming just a crazy fad where people basically drive around behind delivery trucks and they grab your packages before you can get to the door. Now, because I was supposed to sign for the package, this shouldn't be a problem, right? But you just never know these days, right? I had a, a laptop return the other day after being fixed and it required a signature as well. However, the delivery person chose not to do that and simply left the package in the alley by our garage door. So like I said, I was waiting and it never came. I jumped on the website to check my order and I found the tracking info and nothing. Literally no updates since December 2nd. All it said was December 1st, arrived at FedEx location, Trenton, New Jersey. December 2, in transit, Trenton, New Jersey. And that was it, no updates for five straight days. And then I had a flashback I remember ordering something for my son's broken skateboard a while back, and it seemed like the same thing happened, right? Uh, it was sent to what I assumed is a large FedEx hub in Trenton, New Jersey, and it basically sat there for close to a week without moving. So what is it with Trenton, New Jersey? I told my wife, Trenton, New Jersey must be where all good packages go to die. Anyway, back to the camera story. So after waiting for an entire day, and seeing that the tracking info hadn't actually moved at all, I settled in and assumed it might be a while. Needless to say, the packaged info was updated pretty soon, and the camera was delivered on Wednesday, December 9th. So it really only took 10 days, which is a long time by 2019 standards, but really isn't bad at all in 2020 during a global pandemic. And not bad at all, given the fact that in some third world countries, you can be waiting months for a package to arrive. But the funny part of this story is still the piece about Trenton, New Jersey. To me, it will forever be the black hole for packages. In fact, 10 years from now, I'll probably meet somebody and they'll tell me they're from Trenton, New Jersey. And I'll say, ha, Trenton, the place where all good packages go to die. They'll probably look at me like I'm a little strange but it happened to me twice. Okay, enough of that. However, the minute of transparency was a good transition for us today as it dovetails nicely with our topic. Shipping, packages, gifts, the holidays, and that's our topic for today, 
transcending the holidays. In this episode, we're going to talk about what is a holiday anyway, sacred versus secular, and we're going to finish up with be a little bipolar. Number one, what is a holiday anyway? This episode was a lot of fun because I got to do some research into some things that I knew but really had no idea about. I mean, we all know what a holiday is, but have you ever thought about where it came from or how it started? Me either, I know. Uh, and so I, as I began to do some research, I quickly realized that there's a lot more to it than just the two questions we asked a few minutes ago. So let's start by laying a good foundation. First, holidays can be observed on a variety of different levels. For example, holidays can be very unofficial and small. Maybe you have a family tradition that has become like a holiday over time for your family. Uh, maybe you and others like you celebrate things that aren't really even viewed as official or an observed holiday, and yet they still happen. Next, there are the official and observed holidays. So these are the more traditional holidays. Like when we use the word holiday, these are the ones we're uh, typically referring to. Uh, these are the holidays that we have on our calendar, and typically these are the days that we get off work to observe. Next, we have holidays that people observe in specific locations. Now, in Southern California, there's this thing I had never heard of. It's called Ski Week, uh, and it's actually observed by many of the school systems here. I think it started because they knew that the minute the slopes opened uh, at the ski resorts, the local ski resorts, that the entire population of students just dwindled and almost disappeared. So they just put this thing in a place called Ski Week and made it a holiday. And in doing so, it keeps everyone happy. In China, they observe the Chinese New Year. In Germany, everyone looks forward to Oktoberfest. In Mexico, there is Dia de Muertos, or Day of the Dead, and so on and so forth. Next, there are religious or ethnic holidays. So some of these are observed and some are not. Some are global and some are specific to certain countries. You know, we have things like Christmas and Easter, Hanukkah, Ramadan, Kwanzaa, etc. And as I did the research, I realized that this is a very long list. Uh, there are many, 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 many religious holidays. Next, there are fake holidays, or holidays that are believed to be started by companies in order to increase the sales of their products. So these are things like National Pancake Day, National Coffee Day, Small Business Saturday, uh, Giving Tuesday, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, etc., etc., etc. Now these are not typically observed on a national or global level, and you don't typically get them off of work. However, many of them have grown into something huge. I mean, just look at Black Friday and Cyber Monday in the past 10 years. Billions and billions of dollars are spent on these two days alone. Another interesting piece in this whole concept of being observed versus not observed. So technically, in order for a holiday to be officially observed, uh, at least in this country, uh, it has to be considered a federal holiday. So the government actually has to recognize it as a holiday. Interesting side note, uh, this means that most holidays were not created by the government, right? The government simply recognized something that was already being celebrated, and they thought it important enough to make it official. So, for example, in 1870, Congress passed the federal holiday law, 
which made New Year's Day, the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, and Christmas official holidays. Again, these holidays were already being celebrated, they just weren't official. But once official, government employees were able to take those days off of work. Uh, other, day, uh, other holidays soon followed, like uh, Washington's birthday, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and all of the standard um, government holidays that we recognize today. Number two, sacred versus pagan versus secular. So the next thing to talk about is this distinction between what types of holidays they are, right? And you can kind of clump holidays into three different categories, although there is a lot of overlap uh, between them. So you can call a holiday sacred, you can call it pagan, or you can call it secular. And while I won't spend a lot of time on the pagan holidays, um, there is this interesting interplay that happens between the sacred and the secular. Uh, I'll just refer to it as the secularization of the sacred, or more simply put, the concept that religious holidays are being overshadowed by their non-religious counterparts. Now, before we get into that, uh, a few caveats. Uh, I'm not saying that sacred holidays existed first in every scenario, and that over time the world created a secular or pagan version of it, although that is the case in some instances. But in some, the secular or the pagan holiday may have been in place first, and the church created a sacred holiday in order to push against the pagan beliefs. Uh, this was the case with Valentine's Day. So the original pagan celebration was called Lupercalia, uh, and it was a festival of fertility. But the Catholic Church began a celebration for St. Valentine and held it at the same time of the year in order to drive out the celebration of Lupercalia. And then there are pagan holidays uh, where there really are no sacred elements to it at all. In fact, with Halloween, you could say that the world has secularized the pagan holiday and actually removed some of its original uh, punch. So Halloween is thought to have originated from a, uh, a Celtic festival called Samhain, uh, which involved lighting bonfires and wearing costumes to ward off the evil that the dead could bring upon them. Uh, this was eventually merged, merged with All Saints Day, uh, and then it also incorporated All Hallows Eve celebrations and eventually just became known as Halloween. And of course, there are holidays with neither sacred nor secular influence, right? So the 4th of July, for example, there's nothing sacred about it and there's nothing pagan about it. In fact, the 4th of July is simply a celebration of a date in time, celebrating our independence. And then you have every other fake holiday um, on the list, things like National Sleep-In Day, National Peanut Butter Lover's Day, or my favorite, National Have a Bad Day Day. But what I want to do for the next few minutes is to just focus on two of the more popular holidays and the fact that there is this battle between the sacred and the secular version of the holiday. You got it, Easter and Christmas, two of the biggest Christian holidays, but also two of the biggest holidays for people who have no religious affiliation at all. So let's start with Easter. The sacred side of Easter is probably obvious to most people, right? Easter is a religious celebration for Christians around the world. Uh, it is part of a larger celebration called Holy Week, uh, which includes Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and finally Easter Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday was uh, 
the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, uh, and he was greeted by people who were waving palm branches. Good Friday was the day that Jesus was um, arrested, tried, and, and killed on a Roman cross. And then on Easter, um, you had Easter Sunday, which is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. In celebrating Holy Week, Christians typically have services on Good Friday and Easter, uh, but the entire week is a week of self-reflection and focus on the amazing gift that God offers us through the death of Jesus. Uh, celebrations often include attending church services, uh, music, candles, flowers, church bells, uh, special meals, uh, along with just gathering as a family or the larger church family. Now, the secular, which most of us understand as well, is a huge thing that happens every year. And if you take the sacred element out of Easter, you're left with what? Well, you're left with a holiday, right? With gifts, candy, and a strange focal point, the Easter bunny. The interesting thing is that there doesn't seem to be a set of reasons or origins for this celebration. So the use of eggs seems to suggest a celebration of the fertility or birth. Uh, the Easter bunny makes sense as bunnies or rabbits have long been viewed as hyperactive procreators. Uh, and both combined suggest that you know, this is a time of growth and renewal uh, in the spring of a new year. The holiday often includes painting eggs, egg-related games, the giving of eggs or candy versions of eggs, uh, the sending of greeting cards, and the gathering for family celebrations. Next, we have Christmas. So the sacred side also, most people understand, uh, Christians celebrate Christmas as being the birthday for Jesus, right? And to celebrate, Christians typically attend special services, sing songs related to Jesus' birth, uh, put up nativity scenes, and generally spend time with family and the larger church family. The story of Christmas includes everything from the story of Joseph and Mary, uh, to the trip that they had to take to Bethlehem, to the shepherds in the fields, uh, the stable room where Mary and Joseph had to stay, uh, wise men traveling to see the birth, and the angry king who wanted to kill Jesus. The celebration obviously didn't start until after the life and times of Jesus, and even then, Easter was always the more celebrated holiday. Christmas went through a few rough iterations at first, until it finally took on the sacred feel that we know today, back in the 18, uh, 1800s in America. Uh, so was there a pagan version of Christmas before that? Well, it sounds like there were a lot of winter celebrations going on all over the world. Uh, for example, in Scandinavia, there was a celebration called Yule. In Europe, there were celebrations and in the winter as there was a fresh supply of meat and alcoholic beverages that they were making in the spring were fully fermented and ready for drinking around that time. In Germany, they celebrated a pagan god named Odin, uh, but often stayed inside as they feared Odin and thought that he chose to prosper certain people and cause others to perish. In Rome, they celebrated Saturnalia, uh, which was basically honoring Saturn or the god of agriculture. And then there's the truly secular side, the life and times of Santa Claus. Uh, the story of Santa Claus can be tracked back to a monk named St. Nicholas, born in Turkey in 280 AD. The story goes that St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled around the country to help the sick and poor. 
he became known as the protector of children and sailors. And this spilled over into America and American culture in the 17th century. And eventually, in 1822, Clement Clark Moore wrote the famous Twas the Night Before Christmas, which fueled this new fascination uh, with the man in the red suit. Secular Christmas traditions include the Christmas tree, decorating with lights, fun stories like Rudolph and Frosty, special foods, gift-giving, numerous family traditions like the elf on the shelf, writing to Santa, uh, maybe visiting Santa at the mall, public tree lightings or walking through neighborhoods with lots of lights and decorations, uh, boat parades and marinas, caroling, and the list goes on and on. Uh, Christmas is definitely a time to spend with extended family uh, to get together and celebrate. Number three, be a little bipolar. So there you have it. That was a pretty high-level overview of this whole holiday concept uh, with a bit more detail about Easter and Christmas. So what's the point? Well, it's the holiday season, and I thought it would be fun. But you got me. There is a bigger point to this episode, which I laid out the groundwork for uh, when I talked about sacred, secular, and pagan holidays. You see, Transcend Human believes that this is no coincidence. It wasn't by accident that there are three versions of Easter and Christmas. In fact, there's a good chance that somebody spent a lot of time and energy thinking it through. Uh, back when we walked through controversy theory, we spent a lot of time talking about the battle or the controversy that exists between God and Satan. Uh, Satan has been bound to this earth, kicked out of heaven uh, for rebelling against God. And his first order of business was to get us to follow him instead of God, right? I mean, remember what we said? This is Satan's game plan, right? Which is revenge. So it shouldn't shock us to see all sorts of pagan beliefs out there, right? Beliefs that are very similar to Christian beliefs, only related to a different God, gods, or even important human beings in history. These pagan beliefs are just the start for Satan, right? It's a quick way to create confusion. There's no better way to hide the truth about something than by creating multiple versions of the truth so that the real truth is harder to find. But Satan didn't stop there. Enter the secular version of holidays. Just as he pushes the cartoon of the cartoon character of himself, you know the one, the little guy with a red suit, small black horns, and an evil grin that sits on your shoulder. So too he pushes out Santa and the Easter Bunny. Fun loving characters that you can't help but love. And this time it's not about confusion, it's all about distraction. Get people so focused on the fun of Easter eggs, chocolate bunnies, eggnog, and gifts that the sacredness of the season just fades into the background. I mean, if you had the choice between going to a church service on Easter or staying home and doing an Easter egg hunt with candy and gifts, which one would you choose? And which one would your child choose for sure? Okay, now that I've completely set the stage and irritated a bunch of people in the process, let me back up and clarify a few things. Before you tar and feather me uh, and send me out of town on a burning ox cart, uh, allow me to redeem myself. Let me start by saying that I have nothing against secular celebrations of holidays. I love Easter eggs and giving gifts at Christmas as much as the next guy. So then what's the issue you say? 
why did you just spend the bulk of this episode making it sound like we need to honor the sacred and throw everything else out? Well, mainly to make the point that there is a difference and that the secular has the ability to push out the rest because it's so fun. And that's really the point of this episode, right? This whole idea that both are okay, but both need to be understood and honored correctly. Notice that I haven't said anything about the pagan beliefs in a while. And that's because I don't really celebrate anything that is overtly pagan, at least not knowingly. I mean, if a celebration directly honored or remembered a Greek god or pagan saint or other religious icon, I would most likely not be celebrating. Which should make sense, right? I mean, it's just common sense. As a Christian, I will probably celebrate things related to the God that is described in the Bible, along with Jesus and and other things he taught while he was on earth. To celebrate any other God or religious rite outside of that just doesn't really make sense. So that leaves us with sacred and secular. And unlike some Christians, I'm not going to tell you that to celebrate the secular is to engage in pagan celebrations or some inappropriate version of worship. Uh, I don't believe that eating Easter eggs is worshiping some ancient god of fertility. And I don't believe that engaging in the fun story of Santa Claus means that I'm in some way worshiping him over God. What I am suggesting is that we make sure to right-size our celebration. And what do I mean by right-size? Well, let's use tithe as an example. So in the Bible, uh, it talks about our money because money is important to us, right? We hang a lot of things on our money. Uh, Love, happiness, safety, security, our ability to have things, and our ability to travel, etc. So the Bible asks that when we get money, we first take a portion and give it back to God. Then we can use the rest as needed. So using that same concept, what would it look like if we approached the holidays in the same way? What if we first spent time honoring the sacred and understanding its importance? Then with the rest of our time, we can enjoy the secular elements of the season as well. I think this is what many families do each year, and we are one of those families. So what does it look like when it comes to Easter and Christmas? Well, for our family, it means attending church services together. On Easter, going to Good Friday services and then one of the available Easter services that weekend. On Christmas, it usually means going to an 11 p.m. service, uh, typically a service that includes candle lighting and singing as the clock strikes 12 and Christmas Day is ushered in. And then it also means doing things at home to remind us and the kids uh, what the real meaning is behind the holiday. Specifically on Christmas, this means uh, reading the birth of Jesus story from the Bible the minute the kids wake up before a present is ever opened. Uh, Having a nativity scene in the house as a visual reminder every year of the true meaning of the Christmas story. And then having conversations uh, to help them understand the difference between things like peace versus prosperity or giving versus getting, or accepting a gift versus quid pro quo situations, and things like that. So let's land the plane. Uh, This week and this holiday season, ask yourself the following questions. First, how did I grow up when it comes to holidays? Did I understand the sacred or just the secular? Number two, how am I doing holidays in my home today? Am I right-sized 
in the sacred being put first? And finally, what am I teaching my kids through my celebration of the holidays? Uh, are they getting both sides or are they just getting the secular? As always, no judging, no condemnation. We're all in this together. Uh, my prayer for each of us this holiday season is that we were able to transcend the holidays just a little more this year than we did last. One small step, uh, one small thing added to focus on the sacred, the reason for the season, both for us and our kids. I love you all. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, um, not only for this episode, but this entire season. It's been a crazy year-long journey, uh, learning to transcend things uh, that make up the human condition. Like I said at the top of the show, this is the last episode, uh, the last episode of 2020, and we're going to take a short break for the holidays and return in January with a whole new season, packed full of good stuff uh, for you and your family. My plan is to do a parenting series next year, uh, and eventually... Uh, dive into conscience-driven therapy at some point. So that was supposed to be the companion book to Controversy Theory, but was never fully written out. Uh, so I'm looking forward to exploring that with you on the podcast, uh, and then eventually seeing where it takes us. But until then, uh, have a great holiday season, have a very Merry Christmas, and as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, there's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.